but but I would go further than that, Rob, because I think it's. Oh, I it's love not- it. I love it when people go further. <laughs> <laughs> Something really controversial right now, Dylan, would be great. I'll just I'll just keep going until <laughs> I hit a wall. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Human Element Karis podcast on modern marketing. This is another one of our episodes in our continuing mini-series, The Virus. I am thrilled to be joined by Dylan Collins, CEO at Super Awesome. Dylan, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Rob, thanks for having me. So, Dylan, before we jump into this report that you've done, can you tell us a little bit for our listeners around what Super Awesome is and what you guys do? We are the biggest... Um, kids digital engagement platform in the world. So we work with hundreds of companies who are engaging with the under 13 audience and they use our products to enable things like kids safe advertising, kids safe community, video, all around the world. So um, everything we build is designed for safety with that particular audience and it's also designed to make sure that companies are compliant with all of the global digital privacy laws for kids like COPPA and GDPRK yep. um, and everything else. You, like many of us, happen to find yourself as a brand placed in the middle of this you know, global mm. crisis and there are all kinds of sort of knock-on effects and unintended consequences, one of which I think is the inspiration for your recent study entitled Everyone is a Kids and Family Brand Now, which is, you know, we have this massive influx of children online into different kinds of platforms they might not necessarily have been on before. Can you tell us a little bit about what was the origin of why you decided to do this piece of research and what was kind of the inspiration for it? Well, I think, I mean, even before um, COVID, you know, kids were, they were already one of the fastest growing internet audiences you know, they were over 40% of all new internet users in 2018. You know, they were already sort of a huge digital constituent. Certainly over 2019, it was very clear they were becoming, you know, much more of the mainstream conversation and starting to use all of the general audience platforms. So moving from what we used to call sort of, you know, the the kids' digital ghettos um, into, you know, all of the playgrounds that were being used by adults and kids alike. I think the onset of coronavirus and, and the, the general school shutdowns around the world has, you know, enormously accelerated that trend. So, you know, we have something like at this point, nearly 90% of all kids around the world who are at home, they're going to be at home for probably the next five or six months, depending on country, you know, their digital habits have essentially doubled overnight. So, yeah. you know, we are seeing what used to look like a weekend now be every single day of the week in <laughs> terms of kids' screen time. And I think any of your listeners who have kids will absolutely be able to relate to this. Sure. There is no such thing as a weekday anymore in terms of kids' digital usage. And I think it is accelerating trends that probably would have taken two or three or four years to play out and it's concentrating them over the next six months. You are exactly right. I know my observation of my own two children who are older, you know, they're 16 and 19, is that there simply aren't enough episodes of The Office, Mm. apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. It's funny that I hadn't thought about that comparison, but, you know, for them in a lot of ways, every day is the weekend, even with sort of online school the reality of online school is that it's over by, you know, 11 a.m. Exactly. And I think one of the things that's also driving screen time is that sort of depending on the household, you know, the, the education screen and the entertainment screen are the same. Yeah. Right. 
you know, so it's, it's, as you say, like it's, it's extremely easy to sort of switch between all of these devices. And I think particularly, you know, with the disruption of sort of education into digital education, you know, you're seeing, you know, a lot of these sort of apps and services that historically might've been treated as entertainment that are now sort of flipping much more into education. And there's this incredible blurring of the lines. Yeah. And that's sort of in keeping, you know, with what adults are seeing too, right? Like mm. for a long time, we've had this overlap between work and family or, or non-work time. But when you're in a work from home scenario, you're, you know, mm. making breakfast and then jumping on a call and then doing the dishes and then jumping on other call. Like sort of mm. the seamlessness that adults are kind of having to deal with between collision of work and home, you know, the kids are almost synthesizing in a more organic way. Just as a high-level summary, what are some of the key highlights and takeaways that are in the report? You know, we looked at a range of areas in terms of, I suppose, first of all, you know, what kids were doing. Secondly, you know, what they were seeing, what they were noticing, how they were feeling. We also spoke to the parents as well to get a sense from them. So I would say sort of, you know, going from general to the specific you know, in terms of, of as I said, screen time and, and traffic time, I mean, kids' activity is up sort of at least 50%, you know, if not more in terms of daily activity. You know, it's very similar in terms of U.S. traffic and U.K. traffic. You know, three weeks ago when we did this, you saw patterns based on which countries had gone into lockdown first. But at yeah. this point, it's, it's safe to say that sort of everything we're talking about here is absolutely a global trend yeah. across the board. And I, I think it's been one of those rare things that is uniting children around the world. I think that kids are, are starting to notice brands that are making a special effort towards them. Yeah. There's definitely sort of a real shift in the brand world around, okay, how do we orient ourselves towards family? And, and that, that is sort of, you know, really it's, it's the genesis of the title of the whole report yep. because everyone is now a kids and family brand, you know, wh- whether they like it or not. We've seen, and we kind of called out in the report, you know, handful of examples of companies that are really doing interesting things to be kind of thoughtful around family and brands at the moment. I think one of the most personally interesting stats, you know, that came out of this was, you know, almost 50% of kids are missing their friends. And, you know, I, I think we're seeing the emergence of sort of, you know, proxies for physical social engagement happening in digital ways. And I think that's a very, very powerful trend. We kind of think about these trends as what is what is temporary and what is going to be long term out of all of this. Yeah. And I think the notion of kids, you know, sort of reusing and, and repurposing games and communication platforms to replicate what they used to do in person is a very, very powerful and disruptive thing that's coming out of all this. I think that's such a great observation. The need for those friendships is obviously so acute, especially in those teen Mm. years. And so, Mm. you know, there's like this maximum amplification of the situation itself and how sort of, you know, rigid it is on how separated they are. And yet, this real inherent need for connectivity, especially Mm, at mm. those ages. And that's a real, you know, driving force behind some of those shifts. Obviously, you know, there's a real concern and focus on the mental health aspects of the stay at home and and levels of confinement, disconnection from Mm. friends, those kinds of things. Did you get anything either in this or sort of anecdotally through the process around levels of anxiety in kids? You know, it definitely came through in terms of parents yeah. being anxious for their kids. And that sort of manifested in a few different ways. You know, parents are sort of 
being concerned about like how to structurally manage the activities of their kids, thinking about what does sort of parental responsibility mean when, you know, parents are sort of working from home and kids are on screens and do, do they sort of temporarily have to sort of, you know, give up being the best parent they could be in order for sort of things just to be kind of vaguely workable. That was definitely coming through. You know, we, we asked kids, you know, what, what are the things that they would like to get for free? Like if they could pick one particular sort of brand or service, mm. what could they get for free? And and like the number one thing they said was Netflix, which is, is kind of very, very obvious. But I think a lot of the other things that were coming in as sort of lower considerations were things around, you know, food and internet and TV access and, and, and things like that. So I think there was definitely sort of a, a pretty high baseline of anxiety that we're seeing from kids on an environmental level, you know, and and even, you know, when you look at that question around the feeling question, how are you feeling? Sort of the number one thing was, you know, missing their friends, but words like worried, words like anxious, words like helpless, like these were all sort of registering pretty high. And I think that sort of ties into the responsibility that any company that's now deliberately interacting with family and kids has to address we have to sort of help parents for their kids and all of the needs that they have at the moment. Because I don't think that anxiety is going to go away in a hurry. Yeah, not anytime soon. We've talked a little bit on this program through this crisis, you know, around this word humanity. And while, mm. you know, brands, obviously humanity has always been critical to how brands are successful and engage with customers. But I think now more than ever, there is just no proxy in my living memory for how vital that sense of humanity is and that sense Mm. of trying to provide a connection point Mm. that recognizes people where they are, you know, in the moment. It sounds almost slightly flippant, but I mean, I think kids' screen time is almost a proxy for that, right? Because (laughs) the screens have become, like, whereas pre-COVID, I mean, screens were, were, of course, they were used for messaging and everything else, but they were still largely used for more entertainment purposes. Yes. Whereas screens are now the only touch point that kids have with each other, the only one, you know, so I, I think a, like a lot of the reporting on sort of screen usage, you know, isn't kind of drilling deeply in, enough into exactly the topics that you're raising about sort of the anxiety levels and, and the emotional requirements um, that everyone has from sort of brands and technology at the moment. But yeah, kids are trying to stay in touch and they are trying to be social human beings. And it's so critical at that age. You mentioned some of the brands that they are sort of expressing, you know, deeper affinity for or interest in. And then you also asked a similar question of parents. Are there mm. any kind of sort of interesting overlaps and contrast between the brands that parents are sort of expressing connectivity to and those that the kids are expressing that connectivity to? You know, what kids are thinking about and noticing and, and talking about are fundamentally the dominant providers of, I suppose, their perception of value, right? So, I mean, in the US, if, if you look at the top three things of companies, they notice making a specific effort. It's Netflix, Amazon, and YouTube, you know, yep. whereas in the UK, you know, kids are calling BBC, YouTube, and Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and all of that sort of makes sense, you know, in terms of what they're seeing. I think from a parental perspective, it tends not to be as specific. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the US, both Amazon and Disney comes up, 
But like after that, they tend to talk more generally in terms of educational sites or yep. educational content, you know, yep. that's coming up. And we interestingly in the UK, we see exactly the same trend coming up with UK parents that are extremely aware of, of, of educational content. And I think this comes back to, you know, a sort of a heuristic for, you know, parents are really thinking about their kids in this environment. They are looking for the brands that are talking to them in a way that they can relate to their kids as a benefit for their kids, as some sort of value for their kids, you know, or, or just as, as pure augmentation for the parenting um, that they're doing at the moment. Yeah. Kids are still, and, and, and to a degree, I think this is a function of when we did the survey, I think kids are still thinking about, you know, brands in terms of kind of pure value and entertainment. And um, I, I think that is definitely going to change over time. Yep. As particularly as as like a lot of those sort of social dynamics that we talked about to start to sit in, but I would say just just to sort of wrap that point up, you know, they are all clearly noticing brands that are making a deliberate effort. You know, yep. th- that is becoming very very obvious. I think. Yeah, you know, we've touched on this in the pod a couple times, mostly in the context of the big digital platforms. There is in this moment, and again, I don't like the word redemptive because it's too grandiose, but there is in this moment another another swing, right? Another Mm -hmm. opportunity to sort of take a look at maybe some of the things that they didn't get right, whether, you know, it was in, you know, in the United Mm -hmm. States 2016 election or in, in, you know, some of the core fundamental privacy issues that that they've had in some cases, that this opportunity is another opportunity to to handle things better. Do you have a perspective Mm -hmm. on how that's going for them? That's a great point and i think you know one example you know might actually be youtube so they um, launched their learn at home hub which is yeah. sort of like a, an educational content home uh, hub rather for kids yeah. you know two or three weeks ago and they've really sort of leaned in and done great work and also with with their youtube kids product you know in terms of really thinking about sort of the needs of family and i think you know youtube's history you know over the last two three four five years in terms of sort of the content moderation issues they were having and, and sort of obviously the, the huge big sort of copifying that they ran into last year. Yeah. Again, I, I don't think redemption is quite the right concept, but it is very, very clear that YouTube are thinking family first yep. on all of this. It's also interesting maybe to look at some of the kind of the pure technology companies in this light as well. I mean, you look at, at sort of how much Microsoft has been leaning into families. Yes. And, you know, if you think about the Microsoft of 10 years ago, and it's really hard to imagine that they no would be chance. coming out, you know what I mean, with, with family yeah. versions of Teams and, and, yeah. and, and no even chance. owning Minecraft and things like that. Yeah. So I, I think it's a good example of a trend that was there before COVID, but is yeah. now absolutely being accelerated by it. I don't think it's just the ones that have had a checkered history. Like, I, I really think this is forcing everyone to accept the fact that, like, you know, kids and family are, are half of everyone they're dealing with, whether they like it or not. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really great example. I used to work for the IBM company. And obviously, that's an organization that has long been incredibly focused on business, right? Mm-hmm. That is That has long been their stock and trade, especially since they sold off the PC business and their, their all their consumer businesses. Right. And yet, what they have, frankly, been trying to focus on and, and frankly struggled a bit with and their acquisition of the weather company or the data assets of the weather company was sort of a, an attempt to do this was when you get so narrowly focused on a B2B audience or on the quote unquote business of something, you can lose the scale 
that you need to sort of make progress. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at some of the decisions that Microsoft has made, they clearly recognize that scale and having those consumer plays that are at such enormous volumes actually mm. aids the B2B side of the business as well. Mm. Because there is such massive overlap and collision between life and work yeah. uh, and yeah. home. That sort of, in my opinion, does nothing but reinforce your title, which is mm. even if you're a pure B2B play, you can't not acknowledge what is happening in this moment with regard to mm. that, that collision. Mm -hmm. And you also, I don't think, can underestimate how that trend, you know, if there's one trend that's going to come out of this, and there'll be many, but if there's one trend that I'm going to place my chips on, it is that the nature of how we work and where mm. we work mm. is never going to be the same. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think we are introducing into the global working mindset a model that is just so different, and parts of that model will stay. And that really changes things, I think. I would go further than the working thing. I mean, I think, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, the entire enterprisation of the family unit, right? Because it's not just that work from it's home fascinating. is going to be possible, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's that like all of the messaging and communications platforms that have all historically been focused on the office, they're not yeah. coming into the home. Right. Yep. And, you know, on one side, you know, you can go fantastic. Addressable market has just increased. Sure. Yep. But your user base has now just radically altered, you yes. know, and it is nothing like it ever looked before. And, and, you know, this is why we're sort of saying to a lot of these big tech companies, it's like, guys, you need to hire a chief children's officer right yeah. now today, yeah. because you do not have someone thinking about kids and family and how your products are going to be used. Yep. And like, what is the family home now? You yep. know, so I, I think it's going to get far more radical than that. Yep. You know, when I see a lot of sort of investors pulling back from the space, you know, I think they're all looking at the wrong signals. Yep. Like, I don't think you should be looking at economic signals right now. You should be looking at engagement signals. Yeah, the behavioral those, signals. Yep. Exactly. Those are the ones that are going to be giving you sort of the growth yeah. factors coming out of all this. Yeah, that is such a great point, And I'm so glad you made it. As is often the case, we follow the money, quote unquote, Mm. when the future money is already pretty clear in behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And time after time after time after time, that is not a new phenomenon, right? And yeah. it's especially true when we get into these, you know, highly risked situations where mm. caution comes to the fore and we are on the back foot and we, and we mm. sort of forget this lesson that we have to relearn every time. And that is when these behavioral shifts happen, that is where the money will go. And we forget about that. I think that's such a powerful observation. All right. I can't go any further without asking you about Zoom. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> Zoom is a situation in which enormous you know, growth, really a, a transformative two and a half weeks for them, you know, going from 10 million daily users to 200 million. And then, you know, as happens sometimes when the stage gets big, a significant issue. What's your perspective on where they are with it and how they're handling it? Well, I think Zoom was an exercise in what happens when, you know, kids invade your product. <laughs> you know, I bet there were a whole bunch of folks in YouTube going, fantastic. Finally, someone else now knows how it feels, right? It's like where it's you have no point. control over yeah. how your platform is being used. That's right. And you end up getting vilified, right? In the same yeah. way that YouTube got vilified for so much of the kids stuff, which was out of their control, yeah. right? And they've now started investing in it very heavily and they're an example yeah. of how to do it right. And, and I, I really feel sorry for Zoom. You know, I think yeah. that 
it was simply never built for that environment. And yes. I think they are reacting as best as one can in a sort of a black swan situation like this. Yeah. I still think they are the classic example of a company that should appoint someone as an interim chief children's officer. Yep. Like right now, and I say that like not because it's sort of somewhat self-serving from a sector perspective, but that we see time and time again in companies that are facing this challenge with kids that, you know, there is no one person who is assigned responsibility for yep. making product and product strategy compatible with kids. Yep. And so you will see when, when that doesn't happen, you will see continued mistakes getting rolled out yep. because you try and sort of indoctrinate product teams and product managers, but it's never in a single person's head. Yep. You know, Zoom could probably go one further and sort of say, okay, we're going to appoint this person as chief family officer just to think even more broadly than that. I do think that, you know, they are becoming, I suppose, the the bellwether, the lightning rod, the ultimate kind of first mover in a sector. And a lot of people are learning from those lessons, which I think is good. Yes. Again, it does sort of reflect also some cultural differences, you know, between, let's say, someone like a Microsoft, because Teams is more family-oriented by design, yep. you know, versus Zoom, which which was just never, ever, ever thinking about that. You know, never were it more true that everyone is a family and kids brand now than it is for a company like Zoom. I figured you were going to get to the, the chief family officer right there at Zoom because mm. I sure would make that part of tomorrow's press release is say, hey, look, this is what we're doing. Here's the role and responsibility. Here's mm. the scope of what that's designed to do. Mm. Uh, I think it's a, a great suggestion. Let's get back to just brands that are doing a good job. So mm. other than the platform brands, what other brands, and you've got a couple examples in yeah. your report, are doing a really good job in this moment, sort of managing how to engage kids? We tend to think about that question through three lenses, I suppose, which is value, relief, and trust. Yep. Which at this moment in time are the things that a brand, you know, needs to be providing to parents and kids alike, really. Yep. And yeah, I mean, in the report, we, we called out a few examples. And I'm very pleased to say that there's been a lot more examples, you know, since yep. that particular point. You know, so I think you've got sort of, you know, some of the bigger company examples like Audible, you know, which is obviously owned by Amazon, you know, and they pretty early on rolled out free streaming for kids' audiobooks. It was a great move. It was, you know, clearly, you know, providing value to like understandable instant value to the family unit. One of the examples which I actually really love was there's a toy company called Playmobil, and they put together this, and the only word I can use to describe it is adorable, <laughs> stop-motion video, just as, as sort of like a PSA for what kids should know about coronavirus and how to wash your hands yeah. and how to be safe. And it was endearing. It was accurate. You know, it was just quite brilliant. You know, we have a few more examples in, in the report, you know, like that. But it's just taking a moment to be thoughtful and figure out, okay, like, you know, is there some sort of relief I can bring to kids? Can I give them something that makes them feel less anxious, to your point yep. earlier on? Is there value that I can give to parents? And we've seen a lot of companies that have been temporarily turning off subscription models, things like that, which I think is great. Or can they provide trust? And I, I think to a degree that kind of comes back to the, the focus on family, like, one of the biggest mistakes that some companies are, are going to make is that they will accidentally lose the trust of parents. You know, if a parent is allowing you with a child, you've got one shot. 
Yep. And if you get it wrong, even in this sort of like 100% digitally on time period that we're in, you know, you will absolutely lose that. So just make it easier for parents and kids together. Yeah, if you're the babysitter the kids don't like, you're not coming back. Right. That's it. You really have one shot there. But it's tremendous to see that, you know, more and more brands are really starting to think about this. They're understanding the moment, you know, they're understanding sort of what this new family unit is. Because yeah. again, like even when you think about physical proximity, I mean, it's likely that families will never again spend this much time together in one concentrated period. Like in 10, 20, 30 years, families are going to be looking back on this two-month period or three-month period or four-month period, whatever it is, and they are still going to be talking about it, you know? Oh, yeah. We had a conversation at the dinner table, which, again, just that sentence, right? I I live 16, 18 miles outside of Manhattan. Mm. You know, I have teenagers. You know, the frequency of us gathering at the dinner table was a maybe once a week kind of thing. Maybe. Right. We have dinner together every single night now. Like we are three yeah. weeks into everybody eating to, you know, it's wow. it's like how I grew up in 1975. So right, right. my point here is we got onto this conversation about, you know, when they have kids and, you know, what are we mm-hmm. going to talk about about this moment in time? You know, I think it was my daughter who was like, what we're going to talk about is that we were all together. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Right. We were endlessly together. Yeah. yeah. And, and and she's right. She's right. And then she said something like, "And how long will this? You know, when are we done? <laughs> <laughs> when does this end?" It's true. But when you think about like the importance of sentiment, you know, in brand building, and particularly in brands that are you know transmitted between parents and kids. Yep. The things that kids are growing up with or that are engaging with right now in this six-month period, you know, whether they're new brands or older yes. ones, they're the things that they're going to develop an affinity for because of this exact period. And they're the things that they're going to transmit to their kids, you know, They'll in 10 years' forever. time, and 15 years' time. They, they really will, you know. They'll be there forever. All right, two last questions. And again, you've been so fantastic, Dylan. Thanks so much for joining us. Where do you anticipate we'll be in a month? Of the likely or your best sort of, you know, gut instinct, where do you think we'll be? Generally speaking, it looks like most of the school closures are probably going to roll into summer vacation in a lot of the West, right? So I think purely from a kid's perspective, you know, I think this entire sort of digital lockdown period is probably going to last until September. Now, I think they'll probably get in in a lot of countries, they'll start to get more physical mobility. But I certainly think if you're just talking about a month, I don't think any of the main constraints have changed. What I think you're going to start to see emerging over that period specifically in kids is even more repurposing of digital platforms to just hang out in, right? And and you'll particularly see that in games where kids are sort of in Fortnite or they're in Roblox, not to play, but just to hang out. Just to hang out. It's the virtual downtown, you know, it's the mall, right? It's the mall. Last question, when this is over or to to whatever the next stage of more relaxed is, let's call it that. What's the thing you are most looking forward to? I think from a professional point of view, I am extremely interested in seeing what are the new companies that are started during this period Mm. based on these trends. Like I guarantee you, Rob, we should set a calendar reminder five years from today. And I guarantee you, that we will see one or two enormous companies yep. that have been built 
from exactly the trends that are going on right now during this time. I absolutely guarantee it. Yeah, born out of this moment. No doubt. That's a date. We're doing a five-year recap podcast. It's going to be in London at your favorite pub. Outstanding. 2025, April. I will see you there. I'm all in. I'm all (laughs) in. Dylan, I can't thank you enough. You were fantastic. Thank you so much. Stay safe. We'd love to have you back on soon. I'd be delighted. Thank you very much for having me, Rob. It's been great. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Remember, you can find The Human Element anywhere you find your podcast. Please do give us a comment, subscribe, give us a like. We deeply appreciate you listening to us. Before I leave, I did want to point out that you can find the super awesome report around kids and this particular moment and how their behavior is changing at content.superawesome.com. It's very much well worth the download. One last thing, I want to make sure that I highlight this. Please, to all our listeners all around the world in those markets that are incredibly impacted by this event, please stay safe. Please follow the stay-at-home guidelines, and we look forward to seeing you very, very soon. We'll be back out to you next week with another couple pods all around the virus and its impact on marketing, media, and advertising. Thanks again. Bye-bye.